facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Magnificent Monday to you. It's the aftermath of Super Bowl 57. We'll talk about the Catholic hero, the altar server who won the game for the Chiefs. It's also, by the way, it is also World Radio Day. So, hey, what a great day to be coming to you on the airwaves on Relevant Radio or through the internet. We are streaming live. And of course, you can always grab the podcast later. Hey, if you want to call in to talk to me for free, Dial the listener line right now, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can also email the program, kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com, and you can find me on Twitter, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Well, hey, we had a great week last week on the show. We're going to have another fantastic one this week. Got some big surprises for you later in the show, but... In case you missed anything, and how dare you, but in case you missed any of the shows, you might have a life. I don't know, but uh, I'll tell you what. We've got you covered. We've got the week that was prepared by producer Jim Shaper. Here's the week that was on The Kale Clark Show. Let's go. St. Paul Mickey and his companions, it's their feast day today. He and 25 others were crucified uh, for their Catholic faith in Japan. And uh, a massive persecution broke out against the Catholic Church in the year 1597, late 16th century. And everybody kind of went one of three different paths. Many Catholics were martyred, and they refused to give up their faith under a period of persecution. They gave their lives, they shed their blood. A lot of them, though, broke under the pressure. They gave up the faith, they apostatized. The, the, the third option was a lot of them went underground, and they went into hiding. Now, one of the reasons why this persecution really took place was that the Japanese were afraid that Spain was going to try to colonize Japan just as they had done to the neighboring Philippines. So they really cracked down uh, on the church. A lot of people look at the Sam Smith performance and, and they just kind of laugh. They laugh it off. The great opiate of the masses is that there is no judgment. There is no afterlife. There is no hell. That's the great deception. But if you take the gospel seriously, if you read it seriously, and I, I think a great place to start is the gospel of Mark, where Jesus dealt with the demonic. This was maybe the hallmark of his ministry, busting up the kingdom of Satan and establishing the kingdom of God. It's like a movie. Mark is very much like a movie. But a lot of people want to kind of reset, and one of the best ways to do that is by taking a retreat. Gary is in Fort Myers, Florida. I did one last year, and it was a three-day retreat, and it was focused on St. Ignatian um, spiritual exercise. Mm -hmm. And it was a men's retreat. You couldn't speak to anybody. I was terrified of going on it because I had never done one of these before. Yeah. And after doing it, I would say it was probably one of the best experiences I've had from a retreat standpoint. What I'd recommend is, yeah, you bring your phone, but you don't, you, maybe you give it to somebody so that you don't go looking at it because mm -hmm. you're going to be tempted to do that. And then two, have some kind of routine. Well, let's just jump into it, Michaela. You ready with your first joke? And just to remind you, these are dad jokes. Oh, they're dad jokes. Okay. They're not kid jokes. Oh, they're not kid jokes. Okay. They're dad jokes from a kid. Here's joke number one. How do Earth, Saturn, and Neptune organize a party? They plan it. <laughs> <laughs> they plan it. Love it. 
Why do bees have sticky hair? Why? Because they use honeycombs. <laughs> honeycombs. I like that one too. What right. do you call a helpful sister? What do you call a helpful sister? A sister. Oh, <laughs> a sister. I like it. I like it. How does the Easter Bunny keep his fur looking good? He uses a hairbrush. Oh, a hairbrush. Oh, my. How much would this cost if you wanted to reconfigure your home? They did interview a Manhattan interior designer named Artem Kropovinsky. He actually reconfigured the top floor of a home in Scarsdale, New York. It was a five-bedroom home, and he, and he kind of reconfigured it so that there were two master bedrooms connected by a, a sitting room. And the reason why this particular couple did this, this is another reason why, why folks want separate bedrooms sometimes in a marriage. Conflicting sleep schedules. Maybe you're on a different work schedule than your spouse. Maybe you're getting up and working the late night shift or the early morning shift and your, your spouse wants to sleep. So it took six months and it cost around $400 per square foot. Not an insignificant investment, but for, for a lot of people, it's worth it. And they, they're just not getting a good night's sleep. Snoring is cited by a lot of people as a reason why they want to have a separate bedroom from their spouse. Yeah, we talked about a trend that a lot of married couples are sleeping in separate rooms. So if you missed all of the, the shows from last week, you can grab them on podcasts at, of course, relevantradio.com. You can also go to the Relevant Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. We are in all the uh, usual locations, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. Hey, guess what? In case you didn't hear, yesterday was the Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl 57. What'd you think of it? What'd you think of the halftime show? Was it over the edge? What'd you think of the game itself? 888-914-9149. It's the studio line for the Kale Clark Show. In case you missed it, I'm going to... I'm gonna. Tell you who won in just a second. Kevin Harlan on the Westwood One Radio Network had a call of the end of the game. Check it out. 36-yard line of Philly. Shotgun snap to Hertz. Dropping back. Only one person rushing. Hertz looking, standing still, winding up. Long pass. It lands at the 20. No one is there. Zeros on the clock. It's over. It's over. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57 on a game-winning field goal. Trailing at 10 at the halftime stop, 24-14. They go on to win 38-35. What a game. Yeah, what a game is right. And Kevin Harlan with the call once again on Westwood One and their radio network. Harrison Butker, 27-year-old field goal kicker for the Chiefs. The Butker did it. He hit the game-winning field goal just moments before Jalen Hurts threw that last desperation pass to end the game. Tried for the Hail Mary. That prayer wasn't answered. But speaking of prayer, uh, Harrison Butker is a guy who prays and takes his Catholic faith seriously. He's heavily involved with the traditional Latin Mass. In fact, he's an altar server really is deep into his faith, talks about God very openly whenever he's interviewed. And in fact, we'll get into his faith and, and what really drives him inside in just a moment. But uh, we'll, we'll go, by the way, I wanted to, wanted to mention that uh, producer Jim, thanks for that week that was. That was a great, great job with that. And you are the Swami, my friend. You won our 
uh, Studio Pool uh, with a record of 10-3. and three. Very, very well done. And had the Super Bowl pick correctly, had the winner pick correctly. So way to go, Jim. Hey. hey. Well, part of it was uh, I, I wanted the Chiefs to win in my heart. And, uh, you know, they're such a good team. Patrick Mahomes is so talented and really love the story of Harrison Butker, the kicker of the Chiefs. It's just a phenomenal game. And uh, uh, kudos to the Philadelphia Eagles as well. And they had a great season. Uh, congratulations to them. Just came up a little bit short, but yeah. uh, it was a fantastic game. Is Drew Mariani in mourning today? He's a, he's a Philly guy. He probably uh, I passed him in the lunchroom. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's doing he's okay. Old, he, he's he's, a, he's, he's a real okay. trooper. Yeah, yeah, okay, he, he's fine. Good. He'll be okay. Maybe <laughs> maybe in a month or so. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll get into uh, the rest of our office uh, picks in just in just a minute. But I, I must I must say that you know I'm not I'm not I'm I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. But I guess I was partially prophetic because I did predict on Friday, and you can check the tape if you don't believe me that Harrison Butker would make the game-winning field goal. And I was right about that, but I had the score wrong. I thought it was going to be 30-27 to 27 for the Chiefs. But one guy in media actually was perfectly prophetic. It was Nate Burleson from CBS. Check this out. Nate Stradamus. If I had to bet on one man, I would bet on Andy Reid. I do believe he is going to coach his best game that we've ever seen. It will be creative. It will be fun. It will be explosive. I have the Chiefs winning this 38-35. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Nate Burleson, who's a receiver in the NFL for many years and one of the best broadcasters out there. He's got so many great turns of phrase, toe drag, swag, and all that stuff. He, he's just great on the NFL today on CBS. He used to be on Good Morning Football as well on the NFL Network. But he had the score exactly right. Hey, you think Tony Romo was Ramostradamus? Nate Burleson is Nate Stradamus, obviously, so he's got him beat. Incredible, incredible. Patrick Alog, I hate to tell you this, but uh, you did pick Philadelphia, didn't you? Yeah, I went more with who I was going for. My picks weren't going well during the uh, playoffs. I went six and six before that game. Now I have a losing record of six That's and seven. That's right. You finished with six and seven. Finished However, in third, I, third, you, which is you, a bronze, third. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Second loser, as we like to call it, but. Um, yeah, they don't give out participation medals uh, here on the Kale Clark Show. But, uh, hey, I got to tell you, I did finish above 500. I picked the Chiefs, as I said, so I finished 7-6. and six. Not exactly anything to write home about, but uh, over 500. Rich Gannon, he also picked the Chiefs 11-2. and two. A Sterling record, even better than Jim's. But uh, he's not here every day. So, Jim, you do get the prize. You are the Swami, so congratulations to well, thank you. you. Mm-hmm. So what, what did you guys think of the game? Overall, what uh, what were your impressions? Well, for me, it was interesting. I was watching with like fifteen other people, so I'll be honest. Hmm. Like half, it was almost like casual watching as opposed to like intent watching by myself. But hmm. no, it was a pretty entertaining game. I mean, that's what you want to ask for in a Super Bowl yeah. to go down to the wire, and it did. It went right down to the wire. You know, controversial call, but uh, James Bradbury for the Eagles admitted it was holding and allowed the. Chiefs to run down the clock near the end of the game, but no, it was a pretty uh, entertaining ball game, and and unfortunately the team I went for lost, but you know at least it was a great ball game nonetheless. It really it really was, and and you mentioned James Bradbury with about one forty eight left on the clock. The game was tied at that time. I mean it was just setting up for a classic ending, and all the air was kind of taken out of the balloon uh, with that holding penalty. It essentially just allowed the Chiefs to run the clock out, get a for easy first down, and. And just kind of milk the clock and let Butker kick that game-winning field goal. And a, a lot of people are ticked off with 
Fox broadcaster Greg Olson, uh, who was commenting along with Kevin Burkhart on the official feed, as Fox had the game this year, he made such a big deal out of that out of that play, and he immediately thought that that should not have been called, that the ref should have let that go, that it was a ticky-tack call. I, I'm actually okay with him being that opinionated about it because that's what you want your analyst to do, to, to take a position, to make a stand either way. I kind of agree that it was a bad call, only because the ball itself was not a catchable ball. Like Mahomes threw that ball and it just sailed. There's no way Juju Smith Schuster would have caught that anyways. I, I don't think. I mean, I don't want to be sound technical here, but if it was like a pass interference, it that would be fine. But I think yeah. it's more because it was a holding. That's why it was. Yeah. That's why the ball where it was didn't matter. Uh, yeah, it's true. That that's probably true. And it, it was a hold. And, and like you said, Bradbury did admit it. Stand-up guy after the game. He's known for being that way. He did admit that it was a hold. He did it for what it's worth. Uh, whether they should have let it go, I don't know. It wasn't much of a hold. I've, I've certainly seen more egregious uh, uh, PI than that or holding calls. But at the end of the day, I think the Chiefs, I mean, both these teams were just so evenly matched. And it was such a great game. I, I think the Chiefs could have and maybe should have won by a lot more. I mean, obviously, Butker... Did doink a, a kick off the left upright or in the first half? They could have had a, they could have had an extra three points there, and of course Nick Bolton's thirty-six yard fumble recovery that tied the game at fourteen. He should have had another one because in the third quarter, Legereus Sneed uh, hits Miles Sanders, jars the ball loose. Bolton picks it up, scoops and scores, but it gets called back. It gets called. It was a touchdown on the field. Got it went to replay, and this is the whole thing of you know the guy caught the ball. Miles Sanders caught the ball had it secured, had two feet down, but did not take a third step, didn't make a quote-unquote football move, whatever that is. And I don't know what the standard is for making a football move, what the what the floor is for that, but he had it for, for a split second. I, I thought it was a catch. I thought it was a completed catch. I think it's a bad rule, the third foot or the football move, whatever. Anyways, that, that should have been another touchdown for the Chiefs. So you could have argued that they would have won by even more. But nonetheless, they were really evenly matched. And, and I feel bad for Jalen Hurts, too. I mean, Hurts so good, to quote John Cougar Mellencamp. He, he was really good. Counted for four touchdowns, threw for over 300 yards. That, that one fumble, and he wasn't even touched. He just he just dropped it and um, was ran back by, uh, by Bolton. That was the one mistake that he made in the game. That was after a penalty. It almost shouldn't have even happened. They, got, they were trying to QB sneak it for a first down. They got called for a penalty, got moved back, and... And then this happened, so it was just it just kind of cascaded. But that was a huge turning point in the game, and and yeah. So, what do you think, Jim? Any other thoughts on the on the actual play? I want to get into the halftime show, and I want to get into Butker's faith too, as well. In just a second, he had some incredible things to say before the game about his faith in God and his his Catholicism. But but uh, Jim, what are your, any any other things that you want to get off your chest about this? Yeah, it was just a fun game to watch. You know, it actually took me back. The first Super Bowl I remember is with Doug Doug Williams Mm -hmm. winning the Super Bowl for uh, the Washington Redskins. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a phenomenal game. This was probably the first year that my 11-year-old son, Sebastian, was really (laughs) – and actually he was so into it that he called into the family rosary across America (laughs) praying for the Chiefs to win. I don't know how that all works, but – He's seen me pray. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So uh, it was really fun to watch. The only downside is I'm going to be out a couple hundred bucks now because he wants a Mahomes jersey. And he (laughs) saw the ad after the game where they're showing all the championship gear, you know. (laughs) So um, it was just so much fun. Just an electric electric atmosphere in front of the television. And just one of those just very uh, magical days in, in the year where just almost everybody in the world is tuned into the Super Bowl. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And what do you guys think of the halftime show? I was- we well, for me, we didn't do halftime show where I was at. We did praise and yeah. worship instead. Nice. Yeah, we well, did, that's a great idea. But I did I did watch the halftime show later on because I heard some comments and some people may have not liked it, but it was actually cleaner than some other ones. That's what I that yeah. compare. I mean, uh, uh, compared mm-hmm. to like yeah. Jennifer Lopez and stuff, and oh yeah, and definitely a pro life message, which you're probably going to talk about with Rihanna, uh, you know, with her baby in the womb. That's a good. That's a good point. There, there was kind of a pro life message in that she 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 revealed that she's got another baby bump. This will be her second child. She's pregnant again, and and I know some people are trying to compare her performance to Sam Smith's. We we dealt with that last week, and she was Nowhere wearing close. red. She was wearing red, so clearly this was satanic. I, I don't know about that. I think that might be a bit of a stretch, but yeah, the Chiefs were wearing red too. So. Yeah, exactly. But I'll say I'll say I'll, I have a couple comments on this. One is just from a musical perspective. I thought it was I thought it was boring. Like they they did some incredible technical work with the show in terms of, I mean. Rihanna was really, really high during that performance. Now, I don't, I don't mean she was on something. Let me, let me be clear about that. She was suspended from the air from the top of the stadium, and they, they sort of lowered her down a platform. It's some incredible wire work with the cameras and the drones. I mean, it was really well done in, in that sense. But, but I, I just thought overall it was a, it was kind of a boring performance. I, I don't know. I, and it was a little risque. Maybe a lot risque. Maybe our, our standards of, of yeah. we've been sort of, we've been sort of, uh, uh, what's the word? We've been desensitized de- yeah, a little bit to, to, you know, some of the inappropriate stuff. There was definitely some inappropriate moves and behavior from Rihanna. Let's just leave it there. It's a family program. I'm not going to elaborate on that anymore. But just from a performance standpoint, I don't know. I, I've seen, I don't know. I just didn't think it was that exciting. It certainly didn't compare to Prince's performance or even the weekend's performance from a couple of years ago. So. I don't know. It's just my take on it, Jim. Yeah, I I did not watch it. the The halftime yeah. show growing up was strictly verboten, so we verboten. always turned it off. Yeah. So actually, we missed the first touchdown of the second half. But uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things where it, I mean, I get it. People want to be entertained. That's that's a big part of the Super Bowl is the halftime show, the commercials. And uh, but when it comes down to it, I watch it for one reason, and that's for the football. And Absolutely. you know, it's just it's. The yeah. granddaddy of them all. It's just such a fun game, and so um, yeah, I can't say much, uh, I can't say any more about the play. It was just just phenomenal from both sides. Well, one thing I do want to get into is Harrison Butker. Now he, you now we had Kansas City Chiefs chaplain Father Richard Rocha on the show a few days ago before the Super Bowl, and he talked about how deep into his faith Harrison Butker is, and and I I I, I just had a feeling it was going to come down to him making a kick, and that's exactly what happened. We're going to talk about some of the things that he said before the game about his faith, about his Catholicism, how much it means to him, how he deals with adversity, and he had to deal with a lot of it this year. That's all coming up right after the break, plus much, much more. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149 is the number to call. BRB, as the kids say, be right back. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. 888-914-9149. Well, as I said off the top of the show, the Butker did it. Harrison Butker, that is, field goal kicker for the Chiefs with the winning kick. Uh, Really at the end of the game, 
yesterday's Super Bowl 57. And he's well known as somebody who's very, very open about his Catholic faith. And by the way, he is one of the very best in his profession. He's been in the, in the, in the league for six years. Every single one of those seasons has been spent with the Chiefs. He's connected on 88.2% of his field goal attempts. That is good for the fourth best of all time. Now, of course, he he is in the league at the same time as Justin Tucker, maybe the best kicker of all time with the Ravens, and he's also a pretty serious Catholic. But some big, big kicks in the playoffs. Of course, he had a 45-yarder to beat um, the Bengals and the Chiefs to the Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game. And, of course, the Super Bowl winning kick and we played the audio on that one earlier in the program and here's what he said is he was interviewed during media scrum time if you will during super bowl week about his faith check this out he was interviewed by sports spectrum here we're here with harrison bucker kansas city chiefs kicker you're at the super bowl for the third time in fourth year four years that's kind of crazy yeah very crazy it's a blessing I'm, i'm very fortunate it's very rare for this to happen tell me about your faith in god the importance of the lord in your life well, that's the most important thing. You know, if I didn't have faith in God, I don't think I'd be the father I am, the husband I am, the kicker I am. That kind of sets the tone for everything else, and everything falls under that. But that gives me the strength to go do everything I need to to do that, you know, I may have fears about. I might feel pressure, but I know I'm a child of God, and he's going to protect me. And maybe that protection is comes with some suffering, but I know that's what's best for me, and i got to accept that suffering and, and grow as best I can with that. What's this year been like for you spiritually, growing in the Lord? It's been, it's been great, actually, right? You know, you, you miss some kicks and you realize, okay, my identity can be all as a football player, right? Um, so I grew a lot in my prayer life and knowing that I'm nothing without him and I got to lean on him. And if he wants to take anything away from me, he can. And if he wants to add anything, he can. And, you know, it's all up to him. What do you think a prayer might be that you might be thanking God for uh, as you think about what this season has been like for you? You know, Jesus, I trust in you is a, is a great one, just trusting his will over our own will, because our own will would be worldly success, right? But there's been a lot of great saints that, that didn't have worldly success, a lot of great people that didn't, um, so we got to trust in his will. Hey, I love that from Harrison Butker. He was interviewed by Sports Spectrum. He said, what's a great prayer? Jesus, I trust in you. And obviously we know that at Relevant Radio during the Drew Mariani show, during the Hour of Mercy at 3 p.m. Central, we always pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet together. So, hey, we concur. We concur, Harrison. <laughs> Great insight. He said, look, if we were to have our own will win the day all the time, we would be obviously tempted to say, Lord, just give me worldly success. But that might not be good for us. That might not be good for our souls. Not everybody can handle that, obviously. And one of the things he said earlier in the interview, which I thought was was really intriguing, he said, I know I'm a child of God. He's going to protect me. And maybe that protection comes with some suffering, but that's what's maybe best for me. And I've got to accept that suffering and grow as best I can with that, end of quote. So clearly, Harrison Butker is not a health and wealth gospel kind of guy where any kind of suffering that's in your life, oh, it's because there's some sin in your life. And obviously, um, the prosperity gospel has been a great infection uh, in American Christianity over the past few decades. And he certainly does not subscribe to that as a Catholic. And and so suffering can be a vehicle of God's blessing. Um, God allows it sometimes for our good, and, and, and he knows that. And I, I just like his top-down perspective on things, too. He said, God is the most important thing. 
If I didn't have faith in God, I don't think I'd be the father I am, the husband I am, the professional I am. That sets the tone for everything else and everything falls under that. Like an umbrella, as Rihanna might say. But that gives me the strength to do everything I need to do, end of quote. I love that top-down approach. I love that priority. Starting with God, moving outward from God and a relationship with God to all the other relationships uh, that we have in our life. Family, marriage, family, work, friendships. That's what it's all about. So Harrison Butker, well done. Well done. And he's a, he's a great evangelist for the faith. That's great. And by the way, uh, Brooke Taylor, I saw, I saw our friend Brooke, Brooke Taylor, who guest hosts sometimes here on the Kale Clark Show. Uh, Brooke said on Twitter that she saw his scapular poking out uh, from his jersey uh, during the game before he made a Super Bowl winning kick and after the game as well as he's celebrating with his family on the field. Not bad. So yeah, he wears the scapular. And he, 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 he said this too. This, this was, a, was another interview that Harrison Butker gave earlier in the week uh, during media day. He said, quote, I always pray for God's will to be done. So whether it's a make or a miss, if I'm doing my absolute best to maximize the talents that he gave me, if the kick doesn't go in, I'm going to keep the process and keep going as much as I can until I'm not kicking footballs anymore, end of quote. Now, obviously, when he missed that kick earlier in the game, I mean, he was probably kicking himself, no pun intended about that, but I'm sure he was praying a lot. I'm sure he was leaning on his faith and, and just trying to keep the process going, as he said in that interview, and just try to do the best he can and leave the results with God. I love that attitude. I, I love that quote. It's obviously about stewardship, maximizing one's talents. He knows that. Uh, he's been given the ability to do that, and he's trying to get get the most out of it and give glory to God. So well done. Well done, Harrison. Butker, and what a, what a classic game it was yesterday, Super Bowl 57. Uh, Off-air caller uh, did uh, ask, I didn't want to come on the air, but was asking about the the turf. Just a, just a little word about that. That was embarrassing, and I'm glad that uh, Greg Olson, Kevin Burkhardt on Fox did not shy away from mentioning the fact that the turf was just a disaster. I had heard, and I didn't read this article, I saw a headline that they used a special kind of grass for the Super Bowl this year, a special kind of turf. It was kind of like golf grass of some sort, and obviously it did not work out very well. The field was also painted with a lot of logos, the Super Bowl logo and all kinds of stuff that made it really slippery, and you saw players changing their cleats, uh, putting on longer cleats during the game. They were slip-sliding all over the place. So th that, that was really not up to snuff, certainly not up to a championship game uh, level in terms of the field. So groundskeepers, hate to tell you this, but... Uh, that wasn't a championship performance on your part. They'll have to go back to the drawing board and not use that turf again. But it's kind of interesting that uh, what's, by the way, what's the name, producer Jim or Patrick A. Like, what's the name of the stadium now? They, it keeps changing. It was, is it State Farm Stadium? State now? Farm Stadium. It is State yeah. Farm Stadium now. Okay. So there's always a new sponsor with that one. But they have a really cool mechanism in that stadium in Arizona, in Glendale, Arizona, in which they actually they can slide the entire field outside. It's a dome stadium. But they can slide the entire field mechanically outside. It's just like a tray, and it goes outside, gets the sunshine, beautiful Arizona sunshine. A lot of you guys are listening to the program in Arizona right now, enjoying yourselves. Wish I was there. And yeah, and then they can just kind of wheel it back in, and that's how they do it. Pretty cool. Pretty cool mechanism stuff. So love it. Love it. Well, lots of other things going on, of course, uh, in the church and in the world. It's World Radio Day, and happy to be joining you on the airwaves. It's Kale Clark's show, only here 
on Relevant Radio. We've got some phone lines open right now. If you want to call in, it's a good time to do so. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. Once again, 888-914-9149. Hey, by the way, really interesting reading today, the first reading at today's Mass from the book of Genesis, the famous account of Cain and Abel. Cain was not Abel, and that's certainly true in more ways than one. That's uh, that's a bad pun. I just couldn't resist. But let me let me just give you the, the reading from from today because there, there's a lot we can we can glean from this um, for our own lives as well. It says this is from Genesis chapter four. The man, obviously, and that's Adam. He's the man. He was the man. He was the only man for a while. The man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, "I have produced a man with the help of." the Lord. And there's two. <laughs> Next she bore his brother Abel. Abel became a keeper of flocks and Cain a tiller of the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the fruit of the soil. While Abel, for his part, brought one of the best firstlings of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not. Cain greatly resented this and was crestfallen. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so resentful and crestfallen? If you do well, you can hold up your head. But if not, sin is a demon lurking at the door. His urge is towards you, yet you can be his master. And it says in another translation, Sin is crouching at the door. It's kind of like crouching tiger, hidden dragon, that is for sure. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go out into the field. When they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He answered, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord then said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the soil. Therefore, you shall be banned from the soil that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. If you till the soil, it shall no longer give you its produce. You shall become a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear, since you have now banished me from the soil, and I must avoid your presence and become a restless wanderer on the earth. Anyone may kill me at sight. Not so, the Lord said to him. If anyone kills Cain, Cain shall be avenged sevenfold. So the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone should kill him on sight. And then it skips over a whole bunch of stuff in the text, the uh, the reading from today's Mass uh, liturgy. It says, Adam again had relations with his wife, and she gave birth to his son, whom she called Seth. God has granted me more offspring in place of Abel, she said, because Cain slew him. You're listening to the Cale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. And I, I just think this passage is, is so profound, and there's just so much insight into the human condition that we can learn from this. And obviously Cain and Abel, they, they each worship God by presenting a sacrificial offering. And that, that's intriguing because even way back in the beginning, worship of God has always involved sacrifice. And of course, we have the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Now, it's not killing Jesus again and again and again, as so many caricatures of the Catholic faith want to say. 
It's the one perfect sacrifice of Christ, and we are made present to it every time we go to Mass. It's like supernatural time travel. Christ is not being killed again and again. That's not what's going on here. But way back in the beginning, and that's literally what Genesis means, the beginning, Cain and Abel are both worshiping God. They're presenting offerings that come from their work. And so Abel's offering is a lamb, a firstling from, from his flock. And tomorrow when we talk about the book of Exodus on the Faith Explained program, we're going to talk about the first of the first fruits. That's what God wants, the first of the first fruits, the best of the best. And that's really what Cain did. And Abel, or sorry, that's what, uh, that's what Abel does. He offers the lamb, but Cain offers some produce. And I don't know whether a head of lettuce or something, but no thanks. No, God didn't not accept Cain's offering because it was produce and, and, and Abel gave meat. That's not what was going on here. Cain probably was a, a farmer of vegetables, a farmer of produce, grains, whatever. He, that wasn't his job. Abel was producing livestock. So it's, it's not that. It's not, it has nothing to do with what was offered. But I think it does have something to do with Cain holding back the best. He didn't give God the first fruits. He didn't give him the best of the best. He kind of gave him the leftovers. And he was probably rationalizing it, saying, well, God doesn't need any of this stuff. I mean, what, what does it matter? As long as I offer him something, he's holding back. He's not trusting God. He's not saying, Jesus, I trust in you. Not that he would have known about Jesus, of course, at that point, but you get the picture. He's not really with abandon giving God the best and trusting him to provide the rest. And so God obviously punishes Cain uh, after he murders his brother. And this is, this is sin being worked out, if you will. This is life east of Eden, as it were. This is the, the first time after the original sin that we see in Scripture terrible things beginning to happen, the first murder in human history. So obviously God causes Cain to be a fugitive. And Cain's like, I can't deal with this. Somebody's going to kill me as soon as they see me. They're going to hear about what I've done. God says, not the case. So he puts this famous mark of Cain on him. And we don't exactly know what that is. Could have been some sort of a supernatural tattoo that God put on him. And where was it? We don't know. It, it might have been right on his forehead. In the book of Ezekiel, it talks about people being marked on the forehead with a special sign. And it's the towel, if you will, which looks very much like the cross. But at any rate, whatever that was, when people saw it, they were just like, woof. We don't want to go near this guy. We do not want to harm him. They somehow got the sense that bad things would befall them if they were to hurt Cain. So God shows mercy, even though he kind of shows judgment to Cain as well. He does show his mercy, and he could have just zapped him and taken him out, but he did not. So that, that says something to us uh, about God. But we see here really, as St. Paul talks about later in Romans, the wages of sin is death. How true that is. How true that really is. In, in, in the uh, letter to the Romans, St. Paul says that, and we see it happening with Cain and Abel. And, and then there's a, there's a section in Genesis that the text uh, in today's reading just completely cuts out, but this line of Cain just keeps getting more and more sinful, whereas Seth, who replaces uh, the dead Abel, the line of Seth keeps becoming holier and holier and holier. And so one of Cain's... Uh, descendants is this guy Lamech who kills this kid he, he just on a whim he just he's just a terrible terrible guy he's kind of the nadir the the ultimate uh, outgrowth of evil and so you have the the city of God the city of man the line of 
uh, Seth and the uh, the line of Cain that just be, gets keeps getting more evil and evil. Uh, in the New Testament, of course, don't forget in First John chapter three verse twelve, John says Cain is of the evil one, and he says, "Don't be surprised." John says, "Don't be surprised if the world hates you, because you are followers of the righteous one, Jesus Christ." Sometimes people in the world can't stand it when they come across good, when they come across true righteousness, and they, and they feel like they have to take it out. And that's exactly what happened with Cain and his brother Abel. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. By the, by the way, what does the, the name Cain mean? Well, one scholar says that Cain could mean metal worker, which is intriguing because later on some of his descendants start building a whole bunch of stuff. It also means to acquire or to create, because after Cain was born, what did Eve say? I have acquired or I have created a man with the help of Yahweh, with the help of God. Pretty interesting. By the way, what does Abel's name mean? This is, this is intriguing considering what happened to him. In Hebrew, his name means breath or vapor. In his life, it was but a, but a breath, but a vapor. Uh, he wasn't uh, in this world for very long. But of course, Jesus refers to him a couple of times in the New Testament, uh, in Matthew and also in Luke, as a martyr and as obviously a very righteous individual. And so we've got to try to strive to, to make that offering that Abel maked able make make isn't even a word the able made uh, of the best of of his work and, and offering our work to God is something that we've got to do every single day and so that's what we that's what we've got to do we got to take a break right now that's what we really have to do right now uh, I got to get out for just a second but I will be right back after this triple eight nine one four nine one four nine scale Clark show on Re- on relevant radio and we will be right back faith facts and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to the show. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. Good time to call in right now. 888-914-9149. It's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio at Kale Clark. Follow me on Twitter. Let's go to the phones right now. Paul is in Youngstown, Ohio. Hi, Paul. Hi, Kale. Uh, You had mentioned uh, the mark of Cain. And I wondered if you thought, uh, as I had heard once before, that a priest speculated that maybe it was the cross. Hmm. God was, in effect, saying, this is the way I'll deal with you in time. Uh, Hmm. Eventually, the cross will be the solution to sin. But uh, have you ever heard that, or do you believe that? You know, I... I, I haven't heard that. Um, it, I mean, it's possible. I suppose it's possible. As I said, uh, in the book of Ezekiel, it talks about uh, those who are protected, those who are righteous, who are marked with a sign on their foreheads, and they're able to escape the judgment. And the sign is, is, is the letter Tau. It's the Hebrew letter Tau, which is in the shape of a cross. It almost looks like the Franciscan cross. If you've ever seen one of those, it looks kind of like a T. Whether that's what Cain had, I don't know. I don't know, and it's it's also intriguing to note that when uh, you know Cain is is kind of questioned by by God on this, and 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 he says, "Am I my brother's keeper?" Well, obviously the answer is yes. You are supposed to be your brother's keeper, and and the Hebrew word there is samar, and that's exactly the same word that the book of Genesis uses to describe Adam, and that he was supposed to 
care for the garden. He was supposed to keep and to till the garden. Uh, but he obviously failed in that responsibility. The Satan got into the garden somehow. That snake. And uh, obviously, uh, you know what happened after that. So yes, obviously, uh, Cain was supposed to care for his brother. We're supposed to care for uh, those around us. And it's it's intriguing that the the fact that God did give him this mark, whatever it might be, it's not only God's judgment sort of saying, yeah, you did this, and I don't know, it's supposed to be something like the scarlet letter, if you will, Nathaniel Hawthorne, but, but it's also God's grace because this protects Cain from further injury. There are those who would have liked to avenge Abel's death, and we could also get into the whole thing of who, who was Cain's wife because Cain goes on to be fruitful and multiply, and, and God could have, again, God could have smote him. He could have struck him down. But the very fact that he allows Cain to continue to live is a graceful act of God. And, and the scripture says later on, God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And, you know, if God was to wipe out all the evil in the world, none of us would, would still be remaining, probably. I mean, look in the mirror. Do you, do you really think your life is spotless? Uh, it's God's grace. It's God's forgiveness. And at any rate, I'm kind of rambling here, but... but it says in um, Genesis chapter uh, 5, verse 4, that Adam had other sons and daughters. And, and in all likelihood, at the beginning, Cain's wife would have come from the, these other children until the human race expanded. There's lots of different theories on uh, where the families of the earth came from. But I don't, I don't want to get into that right now. But, but yeah, so short answer is I'm not sure exactly what the mark looked like, obviously, what it would have looked like. But he did have one, according to the text. So, Paul, thank you so much. A call in Youngstown, Ohio. Terrible uh, tragedy with that train derailment in Ohio. And our own Patrick Madrid lives in Ohio as well. I hope um, that situation is being contained. There's a lot of environmental fallout, and uh, it's just a real tragic thing that's not being talked about too much in the media. Let's go now to Philip in Fountain Valley, California. Hi, Philip. Hey, hi. Um, I, uh, I normally don't listen to radio at this time, but I'm so glad I did. I heard you on that, and I did go to Mass this morning, so I know those mm-hmm. readings, at least the first reading, but mm-hmm. I was, um, I thought a couple of things. One, when um, God just put the mark on uh, Cain, mm-hmm. um, it's almost like Cain had no remorse at all in his response to, you know, when he said, my brother's keeper or whatever. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, he had no remorse, period. And yet, it's almost like, Normally we would say, oh, we did a mortal sin, you'll go to confession, and I'm sure there was no concept of confession in those days. And then you'd get uh, the absolution from basically God through the priest, right? Mm -hmm. But then he just like was fairly demanding, and yet the scripture says that God puts a mark on him so he won't get hurt. Uh, It's like, wow, that, that is what you said, maybe the extension of God's mercy but it's also like allowing this immortal sin to have continued. And then I know it's in his line later on that lots of things happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, do you have a take on that? Or, or cause to me, I, it's like he was so lenient. Yeah. Yeah. God, God could have, have smote him, but, but God obviously knew what was going to happen. Divine foreknowledge. Um, he knew what was going to happen with Adam and Eve. He knew that sin would be in the world 
And the plan, if you read Genesis chapter 3, obviously the proto-evangelium is there, the, the first gospel, God's plan to redeem the world through the son born of the woman. And of course, this is the new Eve, Mary, who will crush the head of the serpent, Satan, even though he would strike at his heel, the Messiah would crush his head. And of course, that was fulfilled. Uh, in Jesus Christ, but what's interesting too, the 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 just the, just where the text cuts off in the reading, uh, in, in the lectionary, the readings for today's mass, it, it cut off actually the very next verse because Adam and Eve have another son named Seth, and Eve says, "God has appointed for me another child instead of Abel, for Cain slew him." It cuts off the next verse, which is interesting because it says, "To Seth also a son was born." So we get into the next generation here. And Seth called his name Enosh. And it says this, very interesting, in uh, Genesis 4.26. At that time, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's interesting. So at that point in human history, people began to call on God's name. And essentially trying to go right to the source, if you will, for forgiveness. Obviously, the the... The liturgical religion of Israel was not established yet at this point, far from it, but yet people were still worshiping God. And like I said earlier, sacrifice was was part of the deal, and it always has been uh, all throughout human history. But yeah, God's incredible mercy in allowing Cain to live, in allowing his descendants to live, and of course, evil reaches a point where God essentially has to start over again with Noah and his family with the flood. Um and, and that tells us that God will, there is a point at which he will not take it anymore. And uh, this is obviously going to, there's the second coming of Christ too. And the only reason Christ hasn't returned yet is because God wants as many people as possible to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth, as it says in the New Testament. So many writers have said, many saints have said throughout history that it's the saints, the, the presence of the saints on the earth that is, that is kind of holding back, if you will, the judgment, the avenging angels of God and the, and the second coming. And God is going to come as judge when he comes next time. So he came as Savior, of course, in the person of Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity becoming incarnate to save us and really extend this age of mercy. But uh, that mercy will only extend until the second coming, whenever that is. God knows. and But of course, for us, we don't know. The, the hour of our death, now and at the hour of our death, as we pray in the Hail Mary, those are the two most important times in our lives. Uh, we've got to turn to God at each moment, because we don't know when the hour of our death is, and, and try to, as hard, as, as best we can, to remain in a state of grace. And if we, if we know that we're not, ask His forgiveness, go to confession as soon as possible. That's, that's the way. That's the way. So thank you so much for that phone call, Philip. Let's go to Elaine in Dania Beach in Florida. Hi, Elaine. Hi. Good, good afternoon. Good evening. Yes. Um, about the reading today, I do the readings um, just about every day at church, and I was very much into the reading today. Um, Cain was jealous of his brother. That was the problem. He was jealous, and then, you know, he did kill him, but Jesus allowed him to live to, so he could think about what he had done and allow him time to repent. Mm-hmm. That was the re- that, and that's the mercy that you're talking about. And yes, we are responsible um, for your brother's keeper. People don't realize that we are responsible. Oh, no question. There's there's no question about it. We are, 
We are our brother's keeper, our sister's keeper, and uh, we have to uh, love one another as Christ has loved us to try to work for their good, to pray for them, to help them to discover the knowledge of the truth. And that's, that's what love does. Love, love wants what's best for the other person, and ultimately what's best for them is to come into this relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. So, all right, let's go to Mark in Chicago. Hi, Mark. Hey, Carol. Thanks for taking my call. Just a quick question, because uh don't believe, do, do we see in the Scripture who were the wives of those guys, Abel and Cain and Seth? Because I, we know they had descendants, but I, I don't know if the Scripture ever mentioned who were the wives of any of these uh, guys, or we don't know any any of the information. Yeah, that, that's 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 a great question, and I, I mentioned it just really briefly earlier, Mark, in the program that uh, Genesis does mention that Adam and Eve had other sons and daughters, and that could have been uh, where uh, Cain's wife came from. There's also a theory out there that there were other people groups uh, proliferating on the earth at this time, and he took his wife from one of those groups. But there is an issue from, from a Catholic perspective with the doctrine of original sin, this idea that there's this theory called polygenism, this uh, this concept that um, I'm just trying to look up a little piece on that right now as we're, as we're talking. This idea that there are different people groups arising um, in the world at the same time. The problem with that is to do with the doctrine of original sin. Original sin, of course, um, has infected all of us and kind of gets passed down. Almost like, I guess you could say, almost like a genetic defect, as, as it were. And so the doctrine of, of polygenism kind of is problematic uh, when it comes to to that. So um, I'm trying to find the, uh, the thing I had on that. But uh, anyways, that, that's 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 the bottom line. I, um, I'll try to find something on that a little bit more. I, uh, I, I had a little piece on that, a little article on that. Unfortunately, I can't find it at the moment. But I'll try to pull it up for, uh, for tomorrow's show and, and mention it because uh, it is really important. The doctrine of original sin is, is crucial uh, that that at some point there is a first set of parents, and there's a little bit of freedom on on how you handle that. Um, in terms of how the human body got to where it is, you, you could argue there's a process of evolution, but at some point you would have to hold that God infused an immortal soul into what essentially became the first man, and uh, that would be Adam, as it were. So. I know we just opened up Pandora's box, but we are out of time, out of time. But we will talk again, of course, on the Kale Clark Show tomorrow. Where the week is only beginning, so uh, if you called in and uh, you're on hold right now, please do call back tomorrow. And we'll have lots more for you on Relevant Radio later this evening. Of course, the Family Rosary Across America is coming up soon. Timory's coming up next. And in case you didn't get a chance to give, go to RelevantRadio.com. If you didn't get in on our pledge drive, you can still do so at RelevantRadio.com. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.